All right, guys, let's uh, keep going in our study on the person of Satan. Today, we want to talk about the sin of Satan, the actual fall of Satan. Now, before you actually go through this, what will help you out a lot. If you look at that long teaching that we already did on Satan and his origin, some of the stuff that we'll be talking about today concerning Satan's sin, we'll kind of rehash a little bit. Uh, um, about some of the things that we talked about previously in that earlier teaching. I'll leave a link in the description in the bottom of this video. But anyway, some of the things that uh, we are going to discuss today about the sin of Satan, we've already talked about that. And so we will rehash a few things because it's already talked about. And then we'll get into it a little bit deeper to look into the heart and motivation of Satan. All right. Okay, so let's go back to Ezekiel 28 again, and we're going to look at, uh, we're going to go directly to verse number 15, because we've already discussed so much of this in the previous video, okay? You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you, and that's where we start. Notice again, what does it say about Satan? And we know that this is about Satan again. Uh, Ezekiel 28 and all that stuff like that. Verse number 11 through 19, the issue of the power behind the prince of Tyre, that is the person of Satan. And then we find revelations concerning Satan's rebellion itself. All right. So that's enough catch up. But the point he was saying is Satan as a created being, number one, he was a created being. Okay. He was not born. But number two, the issue that we're dealing with now is notice he was a completely holy angel. He had never sinned, not even once until some change began to happen in him. And that's when verse number 15 says what unrighteousness. Now that unrighteousness is not defined right now. That comes later on. But the point is this. He's simply saying is he was always a holy being until a certain point in his life. 16. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Okay, so the point he's saying is this, by the abundance of trade, as we said earlier, previously, and again, that video, abundance of your trade basically is a Hebrewism. In other words, it's simply saying in the Hebrew, what? Simply going back and forward. And so the idea of what the scriptures are trying to let us see is Satan was running, what? Back and forth, trafficking trafficking in his maligning against God. He was speaking ill of God. He was, well, you can almost say blaspheming in a way. But the point is he was bad mouthing God going from angel to angel, trying to turn them against God. And the whole issue is this is the beginning of his rebellion against God. And the scriptures let us know once again, Revelation chapter 12, what? that he was successful in persuading one third of the angels of God in his rebellion. Okay. So that's what it means by the abundance of trade, right? And that you were internal. So we see what the internally filled with violence concerning Satan. That's the change in his nature. 
You got it? That is the change in his nature. So he's no longer what? A creature of holiness. Now he is becoming a creature of sin. And what does this do? It fills him with violence. And this internal violence will lead him to act in violence. That is what? A rebellion against God. And we will see that particular rebellion and how it materializes a little bit later in this teaching. And then God said in judgment, what you he, God cast him out as a profane. He profane simply means what an unclean creature. He is no longer that holy creature who was the representative angel of God, who was a priestly angel of God, who led the angels themselves in worship. He, even though he is still the most beautiful, even though he is wise beyond belief, nevertheless, he is now a profane and unclean creature. And the judgment of God is what? He said, I cast you from the mountain of God and from the midst of the stones of fire. And all he's simply talking about is this. He simply cast him from what? One of his abodes. Sometimes we may, you may want to understand it as the second abode of Satan, which is what? The original garden of Eden. Now, if you want to learn more about that, again, I have to redirect you to see the previous video that we made concerning the origin of Satan. But the point is this, what? Satan was cast from the original garden of Eden. So he lost that authority. And just let me say it right here again. That's why you see Satan in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden of Adam's creation. He has no authority. He has to gain the authority into this world when Adam sins against God. But before then, number one, Satan was in control of the original earth. The original earth was destroyed. All right. So therefore, the original Garden of Eden was what also destroyed. And when this and this was destroyed, as we're seeing in this verse, why? Because he was sin. This was the judgment of God to take away his domain. All right. First, second domain, actually, second domain, the Garden of Eden, the original Garden of Eden. But his first domain and I have destroyed you. Oh, covering cherub. And remember, once again, previous video, Satan was what? He had a unique authoritative position of honor above the literal throne of God. Okay. And that was, that's something that we can call his first abode. All right. That was his first domain. All right. Not domain to rule, but domain to preside in. All right. Nobody rules over the throne of God. But the point is this. It was a place of great access. All right. It was a place of except no other creature had as much authority, honor and glory as Satan did. And we see that by God placing him above what? His own throne. But now because of his sin, what? trafficking back and forth, trying to persuade the other angels against God, turning them against God. God has judged him. He has lost what? Two domains, his domain over Eden. Now, let me tell you something, guys. 
you got to understand this about the domain over Eden. Eden basically is kind of like considered in this way, the capital of the world itself. Okay. So you need to understand Satan is not just having a domain over a garden. He has domain and that literally means here full authority. All right. Over the entire world, over what the entire world. So therefore, what are we saying here? When God judged Satan for his sin in heaven, all right, he lost the domain, the rule and authority over the whole world. He, he ruled it, all right, by God's gift to him, all right, by God's own, by God's own authority. God rules over everything, but he had given the earth to Satan to rule it. Now he has lost it. What led to this? Verse number 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. Okay. And all he's simply saying is what? He's simply saying that, and this is the internal motivation. This is what initially caused Satan to sin against God. What was it? Again, the reference to that previous video, you really need to watch it all. God had created him as the most beautiful. Remember, we said this earlier. God had an eternal plan of creation. All right. And that plan had an extent to it. In other words, so much, so much consider it this way. All right. So much would be the plan of beauty. And so much would be the plan of wisdom. And that's what we're saying. And unto each creature, God gave so much of beauty. Some a little, some more. That's the point. All right. And so concerning wisdom, or we can even say intellect, God gave that to his creatures. What? Some a little and some more, some even more. All right. But all of this, whether it's beauty or whether it's the wisdom of God, all creatures that he made only had a portion of it. You got it? A portion of it, of that wisdom that would be in the full plan. A portion of that beauty that would be in the full plan. However, when he created Satan, he gave him the full extent of whatever it was in his plan of beauty, he had all of that. Of whatever it was in the plan of wisdom, he gave him all of that. So therefore, concerning every creature made, created by God, every, oh, let me simply say it this way, anything in creation, all created things, nothing is more beautiful and nothing is wiser than Satan himself. All right? And so, at the point, what Ezekiel is saying in verse number 17 is, it went to his head. <laughs> he got lifted up in pride because, why? Of his beauty. He kept looking at himself and looking at himself. And that's why we shouldn't stand in the mirror so much. And that's why we need to be very careful about what? Vanity and pride, because that's exactly what's going on here. And what happened? His heart was lifted up in pride. And so therefore, what does it say? He corrupted his wisdom 
And that simply means even though he still remains the wisest of all of God's creature, always remember this. And maybe one day I'll bring a lesson concerning this principle. And what this is also what Paul taught, taught us. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So there's a principle that's at work here as well. But anyway, so his wisdom remains. He is still wise and none of us can deal with Satan. Don't even try to play chess with him or anything like that. Don't go putting your foot on the devil. You don't have the authority. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the power. Okay. But nevertheless, in all of that great wisdom that he has, it has now become corrupted or in other words, is bent, is somehow retarded in the sense. And that answers the question again, what saints? Why does Satan do what he is doing? Since God is all knowing, God knows what? When you say all things, that simply means this. God doesn't know all things as they are developing. No, no, no. When we say that God is, when we say that God is um, uh, <laughs> omniscient, all right? It simply means God knows all things from all time. In other words, God does not learn. God does not wait to see how things will be from his own existence. And it amazes me. Sometimes I try not to think about that because I actually get lost in the thinker in thinking about it. And I just start praising God. But anyway, but from God's own being of existence, how long has God existed? For all eternity. He has no beginning. And guess what? And even from then, he knew all things. He knew what would be. He knew what you would be. He knew what you would be doing today, right now. He knew you'd be watching this video. He knows all things. God does not learn. But here's the point. And Satan, knowing these things about God as the wisest of all creatures who should know better, why does he still contend? Why does he still struggle with God? Why is he still at? Why don't he just quit and say, I know you're going to win. You're God because his wisdom has been corrupted. OK, and that's what it tells us. All right. And and the rest of it simply continues with the judgment of God. So now. What we're going to do is now we see that the heart of Satan has been changed. You see it now in his heart has been filled with pride. And now we see him doing what working amongst the angels of God in trying to persuade them, influence them against God. And we know ultimately when Moses said you were filled with violence because he had violence internally, it actually led him to act in violence. So how did these things work itself out in Satan's rebellion? And that's when we turn to Isaiah chapter 14. All right. Looking at verse number 12. So what did Satan surmise to do? What did he try to do? in heaven, in his revolt against God. Now we get a chance to look at not only the revolt, but also what was in his mind. What was Satan att attempting to accomplish in his rebellion against God? Isaiah 14, looking at verse number 12, starting there. How have you fallen? How you have fallen from heaven? Oh, star of the morning, son of the dawn. And now here, and, and I haven't done a lot of Hebrew 
lately in these teachings, but I do want to pause right here. Notice he calls him Helel Ben Shahar. That literally means morning star, star of the morning or star of the dawn. So the name of Lucifer is discovered here. That is Helel. That is his name in Hebrew. Helel Ben Shahar. Morning star, star of the morning. Now, I, just allow me to make a couple more comments on that. It tells you, notice, morning star, star of the morning. It tells you something about the very appearance of Lucifer. He shined in the brilliance and glory of God. How sad it is to see a creature of such magnificence. And notice what it says. Notice, and, we, and notice how it starts with a lament. And that's what Isaiah is doing. He's not happy. He, God isn't happy about this issue. Such a wonderful creature. Look what he says. How you have fallen. All right. You've been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations. Verse number 13. Now we begin to look at exactly what his motivations were. You said in your heart, wah, internal, what? And now we're going to see what the five I wills of Lucifer. This is what he was determined to do. And this, when he led the angels of God, those one third in rebellion, this is what he was trying to accomplish. Five I wills and we wrap it up. I will ascend to heaven. So that was his first thing. He wanted to ascend to the very domain of God. Remember, Lucifer, number one, remember the two places of God, one over the throne seat of God. All right. This was the place of privilege. He didn't rule there, but it was a place of privilege and also indicated what? His great authority as the what? The anointed cherub. Right. But he did not rule there. He had authority where? On the earth. And what it says here is he was totally dissatisfied with the authority, with the place of domain that God had given him. And he wanted more. He didn't want to rule earth alone. He wanted to rule heaven itself. You got it? So the idea is trying to bring in this. He wants to rule heaven and earth. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Now, whenever we see the word stars, and then there is a lot of symbolic language that is being used here, guys. OK, so stars is always used as symbolic language of the angels. Now, number one, we know that what Satan was the greatest angel of all. All right. The anointed cherub. He was in the highest class of angels. OK, remember messenger angels. Then you have what the seraphs and then you have what the cherubs. Right. Remember those three things. But. Even in all of these things, all right, and even though he had the greatest authority above all other angels, it is clear that God made what? A division in the authority of the angels. He had the greatest authority, but he was not some despot, some dictator, and he could just simply tell all the angels what to do. He had great authority, but nevertheless, what? God made divisions. 
divisions among the angels and who should do what God would have them to do. Number one, we find there's one that we know of called who? Michael. And notice what they call Michael. Michael was called what? The archangels, which means that he was the chief of the messenger angels. Now, even though Satan would have greater authority than Michael, Satan could not rule over, just flat foot, rule over Michael. You got it? He just couldn't just do what he wanted to do with the rest of the angels, but he wanted to. He wanted to have what? Absolute authority over all God's angel. Uh, who do you think has absolute authority over all God's angel? Yeah, that's right. Only God. But let's go on. That's the second I will. Third I will. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. Now, that can be very confusing, guys, and I don't want to belabor you with hammering this point. But all I say is this so that you'll get the understanding. There, whenever this issue about the Mount of the Assembly, all right, it speaks of the millennial kingdom of the Messiah, the millennial, the, the kingdom that is to come in which Jesus will sit literally on the throne of David, ruling from Jerusalem, Israel over all the world. All right. We just simply call that what the millennial kingdom. That's right. So the point is this. Satan seems to have some sort of awareness of this plan of God in that the Messiah will one day sit on this particular throne and rule the world. And so what do we see? He wants to not only rule heaven and earth, he wants to rule the kingdom of the Messiah himself, the kingdom which is to come. OK, and it shows you just one thing, not only pride of Satan, greediness of Satan. <laughs> he wants it all. But let's keep going. All right. Verse number 14. Fourth, I will. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now, when we speak of cloud and again, we're using what that symbolic language. And that basically is what clouds usually speaks of the Shekinah glory of God. OK, so and when we speak of the Shekinah glory of God, we're starting to now speak of what heaven as well as what the throne of God. So that's what he wants to. So now remember, and, and you'll see that even <laughs> later on. So what is he trying to do? He is trying to exert his rule over all things. Now he wants his glory to be a glory greater than God himself. Remember what he was called in the first and what was it, in verse number 12? He is called what? Morning star. And remember, I told you that that particular meaning dealt with what the issue of even when you looked at him, what did he do? He shine with the glory of God. But what does it say? He's greedy. He don't want the glory. And, and that's the point. He doesn't want the reflective glory of God. That is, he reflects with the glory of God. That means the glory that he has is not his glory. That glory belongs to who? To God. He doesn't want that. He wants his own Shekinah. He wants his own glory and he wants to lift that. He wants his own glory to transcend, to even go beyond, to go above the glory of God. So now what you think got to happen to God? If he's doing all of that, 
uh, what has happened to God and God's glory. So you see that he has to do what? Destroy God. Get rid of God. And he, he messed up in the heat. How are you going to destroy that which cannot be destroyed? How are you going to defeat that which cannot be defeated? How are you going to conquer that which is inconquerable? His wisdom is messed up, is polluted. But he tried anyway. But let's finish it. I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds. So that's the glory that he wants. And notice the final and fifth I will. And that's what was in his heart. I will make myself like the most high God. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to replace God as God. He wanted to be the God of heaven and earth. And when you say the God of heaven and earth, always remember all you're simply saying is he wanted to be the God of all creation. So in looking at the I wills of Isaiah, we now see what Satan had planned to do. He wanted to do what? He wanted to go into heaven, take over heaven. He wanted to raise a throne above. He wanted to have authority over all the angels of God. He wanted to have the Shekinah glory greater than God. He wanted to be God himself. So therefore, it would be necessary to destroy the true and living God. And we all know he failed miserably. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. And as I said in that previous video concerning Satan, we will continue our teaching on Satan. We've already talked about the origin of Satan. We just finished talking about what? The sin of Satan. Now, I, I think next time we come back to you guys, we'll talk about the different domains of Satan. Where will Satan reside? All right, guys, thanks for joining me. By the way, if you haven't subscribed, do it now. And if you also remember, hit that notification button and we'll catch you next time.